With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. We're back with a brand new episode. We're happy to have you here and um, happy almost end of Women's History Month. Yes. We hope you've enjoyed this month's episodes. I feel like we tend to cover a lot of women, but we mm-hmm. had a special focus on women in history this month. Right. And I was actually really proud of us. We kind of covered a very wide array of women throughout history. I know. Very differing women <laughs> throughout history. I'm excited to hear about your episode. Yes. But first, I do have a recommendation for the weirdos. Okay, let's hear it. We have been recently watching a lot, a lot of Yellowstone, the TV show. Oh my God, too much. Too much. It's not necessarily, it's not like a history show, um, but it is a show that deals a lot with history. Right, especially the aftermath of like some historical events that have happened. Yes, and it takes place in Montana, it has uh, Kevin Costner, and it's about this family that live on this like massive ranch, and they're trying to keep the land, um, and there's all these other power players trying to take the land from them. And so you learn about the family's history as well as Montana's history. Right. And I just thought, it was, I, I love it. And then we found out that there is a prequel show called 1883. We have not seen it yet, but that obviously takes place in a more historical time period. So we're definitely going to watch it. Absolutely. I'm actually really excited about that. Me too. So just wanted to recommend it because for some reason I thought the weirdos would like that show. Yeah. And I've never been to Montana before, but it really makes me want to go. Same. We like, we're looking up flights to Bozeman, <laughs> yeah. which we've never done before the show. <laughs> I know, and which is ironic because, like, in the show, there's people from California who go to Bozeman and they're typically looked down upon. Yes, yes, because they're just Californians like us who are romanticizing the cowboy lifestyle just like we are. Yeah, we're, like, literally case in point of, like, what well, not to do. What not to do, but here we are. <laughs> Anyways. And then I also wanted to say... And Andrew is, you know, mm-hmm. backing me up on this. Thank you all so much. We got lots of really nice messages because um, we posted on Instagram. Our Instagram is at History for Weirdos that we celebrated six years married. Yeah, six years married yesterday as of this recording. Mm-hmm. And you all have all been so supportive of this podcast and of us. And we just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. It really does mean a lot. And just the, I think the amount of, of support was quite frankly like really overwhelming yeah it, it means a lot to us um and i'm really glad that we're married i am glad we're married too <laughs> yeah because then 
we wouldn't have podcast co-hosts. Right, exactly. That's the most important thing about our marriage. <laughs> yes. It's history for weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, why don't you tell us what is your history for weirdos episode about this week? Yes, and this is going to be the last episode that we ha- have uh, in March. Mm-hmm. So as... Women's History Month does come to a close. I want to speak about a woman who broke societal norms and became just the fascination of a nation. Ooh, I like that. I really like that when I wrote down my notes. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, we'll actually be discussing Alice Roosevelt, the eldest child of President Theodore Teddy Roosevelt. The teddy bear. The teddy bear, exactly. I know, and we covered that in a previous episode, like one of our first 20. Yes, and we were talking about... um... The opossum. The possum. The possum. Mm-hmm. Go check that out if you have not. Yeah, the, God, that was, a, that was a weird one. It was a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I know I should have brought that up and I just didn't in my notes. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So, because we're going to be talking about Alice. So, Alice was a woman who just embodied the spirit of the age in which she lived. You know, challenging traditional expectations of women while also embracing the glamour and intrigue of Washington high society. Ooh. Yeah, so her life was one of controversy and rebellion. And she became one of the most influential figures of her time. Probably becoming the first, like, uh, like American superstar of the 20th century. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So in this episode, we'll deep dive into her life and explore how she became one of the most fascinating and captivating women of her generation. So Alice was born on February 12th, 1884. And within days of her being born, there would be tragedy. Mm. So also, I just want to point out that she was born like a week before I was, not the year, just the date. The, the date. same year. The same year. I'm also oh, well over 100 years old. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. So, so she she's not a Pisces, though. No, she'd be an Aquarius. She's an Aquarius. So she's I hate gonna... that I know that, it's by the way. It's because of me. Because of you. I'm a big um, astrology weirdo as well as a history weirdo. So if she's an Aquarius, I'm going to guess that she is very, very kooky and rebellious. That's very accurate. Uh, see? I mean, I feel like I already told you that, though. But that's like what Aquarians are known for. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. So her mother, also named Alice, would die on Valentine's Day from kidney failure just two days after baby Alice was born. Oh, my God. So and even worse, her paternal grandmother, so Teddy Roosevelt's mother would die that very same day from typhoid fever. Oh my god. So his daughter is born. Two days later, his wife and his mom both die? Yes. Oh, wow. So Teddy would later write a journal entry for this date that just simply read, quote, The light has gone out in my life. End quote. Hmm. That's so sad. How how challenging for your birth to be understandably overshadowed by such tragedy yeah it must have been really difficult for her growing up and to not know her mom it was i think it was um she'll have like other figures in her life that will kind of take that mantle but i can imagine it was not easy mm-hmm. so the loss of alice's mother really had a profound effect just not only on her life but that of teddy as well yeah He was so distraught that he almost never spoke of her again and would not allow her to be mentioned in his presence. I mean, even worse, um, he called, you know, baby Alice, baby Lee, and not Alice. 
because he couldn't bear to have that name being spoken. Oh my god. Yeah. And this was well into her life. He called her Lee? Yeah, like Baby Lee. And then she had other nicknames as well. It's not important, but like generally speaking... Her dad didn't call her Alice because it was her mom's name. I think either never or very rarely. That's so, so sad. Yeah, I mean, even crazily, like he admitted her, so um, his wife Alice, from his autobiography. Teddy Roosevelt wrote an autobiography and didn't write about his wife, the mother of his child? Yes. Oh, wow. Because I think it just... It would not because like he hated her or anything because like there was so much pain that he couldn't even bear to do it. Yeah, he really struggled to process that loss. Yeah, in fact, um, even later into life, well after I think Teddy was dead, she just continued calling herself um, different names, and most people called her like Mrs. L rather than Ellis. What? Yeah. That's so interesting. The effect that that would have on your identity. Right. Exactly. Well. Since she's now deceased and she can't object, we're still going to call her Alice, though. (laughs) Yeah, just because that's her name. Because that's her name. So at the time, or at this time, Alice went to live with her aunt, uh, Teddy's sister, Anna, or better known by people who knew her as Bi, like B-Y-E. What? Yeah, because I think she would speak so quickly and then just jettison out of conversations that they just called her Bi. Oh my gosh, this family is very kooky already. <laughs> yeah, uh, Auntie Bai would have a tremendous impact on Alice, and later on, Alice would even quip that if Bai were a man, she would have been president. Ooh. Which makes so much sense. I want you guys to really remember that as we go on with the story, because that will just be so self-evident. Okay. Um, so during this time when Alice was with Auntie Bai, Teddy had gone to his ranch in North Dakota to grieve his wife. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. We were just talking about Yellowstone in Montana. Yeah, and this is around the time of the prequel show. Yeah, exactly. And just as a side note, it's here that he would get into like his infamous bar fights and just have a general kind of badass self-destructive attitude about him mm-hmm. while he like grieved his dead wife. So after two and a half years of this, roughly, he comes back to New York and marries his high school sweetheart, a woman by the name of Edith Kermit Caro, in December of 1886. They named that poor lady Kermit? Her middle name was Kermit. <laughs> like the frog. Like the frog. I don't think Kermit existed at this time yet, but... But that's not a cute name. No, they really didn't have great names at this point in time either they were amazing or awful yeah no in between no in between agreed i guess alice is kind of in between never mind oh yeah because it's it's still a lovely name yeah i guess it's it's more on the lovely side yeah it's a little bit dated but i think it's kind of a classic yeah like you could call you can name someone alice today and no one would bat an eye yes but kermit kermit kermit's edith kermit edith kermit that's that's quite a name so Alice would move into her, or into their house, rather, in Oyster Bay, Long Island, and she would be raised by her father and her stepmother. So how did this relationship go with her stepmother, you might ask? Well, let's just say it wasn't perfect. Mm. Edith was deeply jealous of Alice's mother and even mm. described her as beautiful, yet an insipid woman who would have bored Teddy to death. Who described who that way? Uh, the stepmother described... Alice's mother is that. Oh my god. Very jealous woman. That's quite a comment to say of your partner's deceased spouse. I know, right? Yeah. I know, it's like, That's chill lady. Like, she's dead. Yeah, she, she's not, she <laughs> like, can't fight she's back. She's not a threat. Like, just chill. <laughs> Jeez. 
And she can't defend herself in this argument. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think she was very pretty. And Mm -hmm. Teddy was just head over heels for her. Mm -hmm. And um, my guess, I didn't read this anywhere, but my assumption here is that Teddy probably showed more affection towards his first wife than his second. Yeah, that I think that would account for the jealousy. Yeah. Um, and you said Edith was his high school sweetheart. Right. So they had dated, but he didn't choose to marry her yeah, he initially. Chose, exactly. He chose the quote-unquote beautiful and insipid one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, it's not funny. Yeah. So, I know, I actually kind of like that. Uh, later on in life, she would, and I didn't have this in my notes, it's just I read this though. Later on in life, Alice would actually kind of have more tender thoughts towards her stepmother and kind of, you know, almost like, almost come to terms with their relationship. That's good. That's good to hear. I think so too. So, and also according to Alice's own autobiography, Edith would constantly take out her jealousy onto Alice. Mm, That's so messed up. So, and her relationship with her father at this time was only slightly better so he still refused to call her by her first name, and she's like a teenager at this point. Mm-hmm. So, and she would also later cite that she got the feeling that Teddy preferred her half siblings over her. Mm. And yes, she had at least five half siblings. They're not important. I'm not even getting their names because this episode is about Alice and not them. Mm-hmm. I only bring up Teddy a lot because, like, a lot of what he did influenced Alice because sense. he was president of the United States. Right. It's kind of like when I when we and were talking father. about and and Hidawana, <laughs> yeah. we talked about Sargon because you know he's the first emperor, right? Makes sense. So, and already my tear weirdos, you can probably tell where like all of this is headed, right? With this family dynamic, yeah, it's going to lead to some rebellion. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Alice, you know, unsurprisingly, turns out pretty rebellious, and she is a fiercely independent teen, and in, later on in life, a person. Mm-hmm. So. At one point, not, and also I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that teens aren't people, though sometimes they act like they aren't. <laughs> yes. As a former teenager myself, I 100% am included in that, oh, by yeah. the way. Teenagers are scary. Yeah. So at one point, Edith implored Teddy to send Alice off to boarding school in New York City. Alice replied to Teddy by letter, quote, this is a direct quote, if you send me, I will humiliate you. I will do something that will shame you. I tell you, I will. Damn. So she was OG. As a teenager telling that to your dad, who's Teddy Roosevelt. Who's Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, this is not some chump. This is a Teddy freaking Roosevelt. Wow. So to Edith's utter dismay, Teddy relented. Um, This is a quote from her describing Alice uh, as an Edith. She had the habit of running the streets uncontrolled with every boy in town. Ooh. So Alice had fun. Alice had a lot of fun. <laughs> she was an active woman. She was an active woman. Much like Mark Antony was an active guy. Okay. Yes. Sorry, weirdos. That was actually an inside joke between us. And I'm not going to describe it. So you're just going to have to guess. So however, the stint though, you know, would not last long. Um, because something happens. September 6th, 1901. That would be the day that would shape Alice's life in almost an instant. So this is the date that President William McKinley would be assassinated. Mm -hmm. And then Vice President Teddy Roosevelt would assume the presidency. Yeah. So kind of a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's the first assassination since Abraham Lincoln. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, or actually, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure about that. I think it is. There might have been one more between the two, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, doesn't matter. For Teddy, it's pretty obvious how his life would change at this point. But for Alice, though, her antics would now be on full display for the entire nation. Yeah, president's kids always have it tough. Exactly. But for Alice, it's a little bit different. So right around the time of her 18th birthday, um, might have been just before, in 1902, she wore a gown to her quote-unquote social unveiling that had a certain shade of light blue to it. Mm -hmm. And so this color would eventually be known as Alice Blue, named after her. And if you're looking at icebergs, um, I know, kind of random, but if you're looking at them and you notice how they have a kind of like a striking bluish effect to them, that is roughly the color of Alice Blue. It's very beautiful. Mm. And also my favorite color is blue, so I'm, I love this color. Mm-hmm. And this actual shade of blue would become a huge statement of fashion. Um, even the Kaiser of Germany at the time uh, would become enamored with this shade of blue. And songs would even be written about it. Wow. So already, she, like, around 18 years old, she's making huge displays. She must have splashes. looked really striking in the dress for uh, to catch the attention of so many people. Yeah, she was a beautiful young woman. So I think with coupled with that, and yeah. her father is a wildly, like, popular president. Yeah. It's a lot going on for her. So Alice loved to be the center of attention, something ironically that she would say about her father later <laughs> in life. Yeah, I'm sure that's where she got it from. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting too, because she's really intelligent, but I don't, th- I don't know if she ever made that connection. Or at least she didn't explicitly make that connection. Yeah. So the same year, 1902, she was actually invited to christen Kaiser Wilhelm II's yacht in New York. Uh, where crowds cheered wildly for her. Mm. And Teddy was also there, and he would not even get the same level of cheer from the crowds as she did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy, actually. The press would dub her, quote, Princess Alice, since she was so chaotic, yet just loved by the people. Okay. That's really cool. So she's like a socialite. Right. Like, I guess, American royalty at the time. She's pretty much the closest to American royalty you could get. She was so celebrated that within the span of a few years, she would receive gifts and invitations from royalty around the world. Yeah, we were just saying, she's like our royalty. Yeah, exactly. So these included a diamond bracelet from the Kaiser, a pearl necklace from Cuba, a gold box from King Edward VII, and jewelry from the the Dowager Princess of China, Xichi. Excuse me. Oh my god, that was terrible. <laughs> Your voice I cracked pr- just as you were saying. And you saying know what it. pisses me off? I practiced that. Like, <laughs> or cheesy. I think that's. And I, you know, if there's any native Chinese speakers, I really want to see how badly I butchered that. <laughs> so send please us a let voice me. Note. Yeah, send us a voice note. I'm really curious. Um, but I practiced that, and I, of course, the first time I did, my voice cracked. Those are very. Um... Those are bougie gifts. Those are very bougie gifts. I didn't have another word for it. That's really cool. I can't imagine having like kings and queens and stuff sending you like pearls and presents. At 18 years old. At 18. Ugh. That's such a good time. Such a good time. I know. I'm really jealous. (laughs) Yes. Also, man, I'll describe more of like what she did. And I was like, man, I would have loved just to hang out with her for like a day. Mm -hmm. It would be wild. So anytime she was spotted with a man... There would just be numerous headlines speculating, like, that they were to be wed, that mm. there was going to be a wedding. Very, like, there never was. 
Except for one, was. except for one occasion. Okay. And I'll get to that later. And again, yeah, almost every single time it was not the case. Almost. This episode. By the way, like kind of a side note, women driving themselves at this time was not something that was commonly seen. So when she became the first woman to drive solo the 45 miles between Newport, Rhode Island to Boston, Massachusetts, the press was waiting and was just like jubilant. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. 45 miles, like that's nothing. Oh my god, that's so sad. I know, and this isn't like this isn't like LA traffic forty five miles. This is like <laughs> when no one had freaking cars forty five miles. Wow, but it shows that she's um, not paying attention to the honestly the stupidity of gender norms. Exactly, I I think she was incredibly intelligent. I probably. Like, most historians probably don't give her enough credit to how smart she was. Yeah. And, like, again, I'll, I'll go into it more, but just, like, kind of keep that in mind as well. Um, because she knew what to do. Mm-hmm. She was, vi- she was just a master, like, not manipulator, that's not the word I want to say, but a master, like, in, in almost, like, self-promotion, I guess. Mm, okay. So, and speaking of the press, they could just not get enough of her especially given that you know quite frankly she didn't give much of a damn about them mm-hmm. that which made them want to cover her even more mm-hmm. so they were there to witness you know the many times that she would raise her car on the streets of washington dc and they also witnessed her smoking in public and you know a lot of the time that was on the roof of the white house oh my god it's <laughs> so cool you know uh, they also witnessed her playing poker, partying all night, and even get this, chewing gum. No. The horror. Not chewing gum. Yes. I mean, all of these things were not, uh, you know, things that were expected of women in high society at the time. Wow. She was rock and roll before rock and roll. She, she was rock and roll like a half century before rock and roll. Yeah. So... The New York Herald printed a running score of her social life over the course of like a 15-month period, which included 407 dinners, 350 balls, 300 parties, 680 teas, and 1,706 social calls. Oh my god, I'd be so tired. Man, she does love to have fun though. But yeah, I agree. That's I'm an extreme extrovert. That's too much for me. 350 balls? But also, like, she didn't live in, like, L.A. where it's, like, you go three miles and it takes an hour because of traffic. Yes, that's that's why you're not more social. <laughs> Probably, Cause honestly. Because of traffic? Because I hate traffic. I hate traffic more than almost anything. Oh, my gosh. I know. I shouldn't live in the city. This yeah. is a terrible place to live if you hate traffic, <laughs> my know. love. But, wow, she was a busy lady. She was. That's a lot to do. That's a lot. So, in fact, she would often phone into newspaper hotlines <laughs> and give them tips as to her future whereabouts so she could collect cash rewards. That's awesome. I know. Isn't that amazing? Oh, and my favorite thing, she was known to keep these things in her purse. Okay. Three things. A dagger, her pet garter snake named Emily Spinach, and a copy of the Constitution. 
a lady has certain needs. Yes. <laughs> and that often involves a dagger or a snake in the constitution. I was like, wow, this... She is so punk. It's incredible. She sounds like she would be Teddy Roosevelt's daughter. She really does. Yeah. That's so cool. Because so. I also think she sounds like she would be Ron Swanson's daughter, and they're basically the same person in my mind. That's a really good... Per- yes. She also reminds me, funny funny enough, in Yellowstone, Beth. Oh. But less psychotic. Yeah. Certainly less psychotic than Beth. Beth is wild and just a lot of things but yeah. yeah i could see that very rebellious very um i don't know the the saying i guess that comes to mind is like lives by the beat of their own drum exactly mm-hmm. and that was 100 percent alice so later in life she would describe this time as such quote i must admit a sense of mischief does get hold of me from time to time i'm a hedonist I have an appetite for being entertained. Wow. Very badass. Very badass indeed. And as you can probably surmise, these were all activities that were normally looked down upon for normal high-class ladies. You know, I mentioned that earlier. But Alice had a certain je ne sais quoi that led her to get away with anything. And I wrote literally je ne sais quoi. Oh my God, that is so poorly spelled. I'm looking at his notes. You're trying to write je ne sais quoi. Yeah. And you wrote Jane E. Secou. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't speak French, so I just... and I, I, It's my own writing, so like I know what I'm trying to say. It's like your own secret code. Yes. You can never... Even though I type this, you can never read my notes. No. Well, you can read like 99.9% of it, just not that. Yes. Um, I totally lost track where I am. Oh, that's right. But she was very intelligent, and it was often noted that she knew exactly where the line was between adoration... And just being too much. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by like she was just really intelligent. You know who she reminds me of? Who? Um, Queen Elizabeth's sister, Princess Margaret. Yeah. I think she took it too far though at times. I think later in life, not when she was young though. Oh, uh, okay. I think around her first marriage, she definitely pushed bounds because she was royalty. There were a lot of silly restrictions on her. Mm-hmm. And then I think later on... Um, maybe took it too far sometimes, right. but this is, I think they would get along swimmingly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also interesting. You bring her up. I'll get to her. I'll get to that in a little, like later on in the episode. Also going back to Beth from Yellowstone. I think there's two things that I, or one thing I think is very similar to Beth. And then one thing that is very different. The thing that's similar is they were both, they're both very fiercely loyal to their fathers. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes them very different is that Beth doesn't care where that line is. Mm -hmm. Whereas Alice was very careful about where that line was. Mm -hmm. But not everyone was enamored with her behavior. You know, most notably the women's Christian temperance movement. Which is not unsurprising. (laughs) When a White House reporter asked Teddy about Alice and her debauchery, he retorted, quote, I can be president of the United States or I can attend to Alice. I cannot possibly do both. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) To attend to Alice requires the same amount of work as attending to the United States. Yeah, exactly. How insane is that? Very cool. And I like that essentially... He kind of makes a joke of it because what a stupid question. Right. It's like, such a dumb question. what are you going to do about your adult child's debauchery? Like literally nothing. Yeah. Because they're an adult. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not like she's 
Like, is she pushing social norms? Yes. But is she doing, like, inherently anything that's really bad? No. Right, she's not harming people. She's not harming people. She's not harming herself. Exactly. Right, there's nothing like, wow, aren't you concerned for her safety or the safety of others? No, she knew exactly what she was doing. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely condescending and paternalistic to assume that just because she was having fun that her dad should come in and stop it. Right, exactly. But I just, that's one of my favorite Teddy Roosevelt quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, man, it's just amazing. So it's safe to assume, though, that overwhelmingly she received high praise. Mm-hmm. Except for the, you know, temperance. Yeah, ladies. the women's Christian temperance movement. <laughs> Again, not unsurprising. Um, so, excuse me. <clears throat> Many women especially young women viewed Alice Roosevelt as the future of their gender and cheered for her. Like whenever she passed on the streets and pressed up against her car, you know, as if she was some superstar on the red carpet. Yeah. That made me think of the Beatles. Yeah. Uh-huh. And again, like, I mean, it's funny because, you know, she really had her social debut in 1902. So she really was kind of like the first superstar of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and she became kind of like the face, the unfacial face of, the new woman movement. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Just the level of independence that she's enjoying would have been so inspiring. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was her aunt that said if she had been born a man, she would have been president. Mm -hmm. It's 2023, we still haven't had a female president. So you can only imagine then how unrealistic that would have been. Right. But for people to recognize that level of ability in her is huge. Exactly. So remember how I mentioned that she was incredibly intelligent? I've probably said it a few times now. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) So Teddy was not super supportive of her lifestyle, but he wasn't going to like stop it. But he knew that she could be trusted with things that were actually important. Mm -hmm. So in 1905, Alice, along with her father's Secretary of War, William Howard Taft, Mm -hmm. future president of the United States, led the American delegation to Japan, Hawaii, China, the Philippines, and Korea. So it was the largest diplomatic mission thus far from for the United States. It composed of 23 congressmen, seven senators, diplomats, officials, and businessmen. Like, it was a big deal. And one of those congressmen would be a man by the name of Nicholas Longworth III. He's going to be important. I would also be remiss if I were not to mention that this was a really important diplomatic mission, not only because how big it was, but for a few other reasons. Uh, Namely, you know, one of Teddy's crowning achievements as president was his adept handling of the Portsmouth Treaty, which ended the Russo-Japanese War. Mm, Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a really big deal with Teddy, you know, as this arbitrator between the two powers, he really helped advance the image of the United States as a world power. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying this to contextualize just how important this trip was, not only for like just Teddy Roosevelt and his legacy as president, but for the United States as a whole. Yeah, like um, our image. Yeah, exactly. Public image to other nations. And Alice was a sensation in every country she visited. Um, She was still able to get into a little bit of trouble, though, by jumping (laughs) into a pool on board her cruise ship fully clothed and even goaded Congressman William Bork Cochran to join her in the water. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes. So, of course, the press instantly thought there was something between the two, but he was the wrong congressman to be watching. 
Ooh, she was deceiving them. Yes. So in December 1905, after returning to Washington from their diplomatic travels, Alice became engaged to Nicholas Longworth III. You mentioned him. You said to remember him, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a Republican U.S. House of Representative m- member from Cincinnati, Ohio, who would eventually become Speaker of the House. So kind of a big deal in his own right. And just like Alice, he had a reputation for, let's say, having a good time. He was a partier? He's known as a partier and a little bit of a playboy. Okay. So he was 14 years older than she and strangely looked kind of similar to Teddy. No, don't go down that route. Although Nicholas was bald and Teddy had a good head of hair on him. Damn. Yeah. So... Also, that makes me feel better because I feel like I'm losing a little bit of hair. And he, at this point, so he's 14 years older. She's like 22. So she, like he's like 36. And I'm only like five years younger than that. And I have much more hair than, than he does. So, But it would stink to have yourself be bald and your father-in-law have a luscious, luscious mane of hair. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt was a hairy fella. He looked like a bear. <gasps> the teddy bear. It all comes together. It all comes together. <laughs> That sounds like a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they would marry shortly after her 22nd birthday on in February of 1906. So it was the social event of the season. It was attended by more than a thousand guests, with many thousands gathered outside, hoping for just a glimpse of Alice. She wore like a, a blue wedding dress and dramatically cut her wedding cake with a sword. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. So... It sounded like quite the party. A thousand guests is insane to think about. Yeah, I know. I feel like we had a, a big wedding. It was like, what, 150 guests? Yes, 150. If, if I we had like, I don't know, like seven and a half times that, I can't do the math in my head. Like, that's a lot of people. I can't even imagine that. No, there's no way you could interact with everyone. Yeah, I'd hate that so much. So... Anyways, like their marriage started off well enough. You know, their honeymoon included a trip to Cuba, then they went to Cincinnati, and then on to the UK and continental Europe. It's kind of all over the place. Cuba and Cincinnati. Beautiful <laughs> honeymoon. They both start with C. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not... Yeah, interesting. I'm just going to end that there. So this would not be... This would not last, though. They're, you know, they're good times together. Uh, but I'll get to that in a, a moment. So after Roosevelt's second term as president ran out, <laughs> Alice continued her shenanigans. I don't think she liked the incoming, you know, Taft administration. And she buried a voodoo doll of the new first lady, Nellie Taft, in the White House front lawn. That's freaking gangster right there. Dude, I know. How amazing is that? I love that. That's and sh- so bonkers. And get this. Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, the Taft administration banned her from the White House. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I wonder if they ever found a voodoo doll. I think they did. I think that's really? why she's banned. Yeah. Oh, because they're like, why'd you bury this here? You weirdo. She's like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. She's like, I will be the subject of a podcast. One day. One day. And they're like, what's a podcast? She's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> so later on. Uh, Wood, during Woodrow Wilson's administration, she made some jokes at his expense and was once again barred from entering her former home. Damn, to be banned from the White House twice is truly a dream. That's a, I know. I I want that for us. I hope I hope that happens for us I, one day. I would love if Joe Biden was like, yeah, Andrew and Stephanie, they're not welcome because they buried a voodoo doll <laughs> in the front yard. 
<laughs> so awesome. So now on to the decline in her marriage. So <laughs> I said that way too cheerfully. So they never got divorced, but it, it quickly became apparent that they were married out of convenience, you know, at a certain point. So during the 1912 presidential election, she supported her father as the candidate for the Bull Moose Party, which was essentially just like a splinter faction of the Republican Party um, at the time whose sole focus was to get Roosevelt elected over Republican, you know, Taft. Mm -hmm. Ironically, though, this would just split the vote and Democrat Woodrow Wilson would win that election. Mm -hmm. So regardless, her support for, you know, the renegade party hurt Nicholas actually in his bid for re-election and he would end up losing the Congress uh, congressional seat. Yeah, that's not surprising. I don't like that line of thinking that, you know, when you're a politician that you and your spouse need to be aligned on everything. Right. Then it, it would look bad for him, for his wife to be supporting this splinter party, right? You're different. You're your own person. Right, exactly. And it's her and it's father. And it's her father. Who's how running she, for president. Yeah, how is she not going to support him? Yeah, exactly. So... This would cause like a permanent cooling in the relationship that would last for the remainder of their time together, which I think is kind of ridiculous because he ends up running again mm -hmm. for the seat um, like two years later and wins and it would remain in office till he retired. Wow, that sounds like an ego issue then. Yeah, I think so. And, and from here on out, they would be together publicly as a team, but would, you know, privately have just numerous affairs. Okay, so they were... Married, but they weren't partners really right. anymore. They were like strategic partners, but not not anything more than that. Not romantic ones. Right. So, in fact, Alice would start a long-time relationship with Senator William Bora in the 1920s, and she maintained in her diary that the daughter she bore in 1925 was actually his. Oh, snap. Yeah. They didn't have DNA at the time. People so. are reading her diary? Yeah, like later after her death. I have said this before on the podcast. That is so messed up. If I become a famous historical figure, please do not read my diaries. <laughs> I know. Imagine like Marcus Aurelius. He wrote Meditations like 2,000 yes. years ago. And like it's a bestseller to this day. It's made millions of dollars. Yes. Luckily, he is fairly vague in like the direct issues that he's reflecting on. Right. He's right. not giving kind of like details. It's not cheesema or anything. Right. But most other people share really embarrassing <laughs> stuff in their diaries i know and also i didn't write this in my notes but it's kind of funny she joked that she wanted to name um her daughter deborah uh -huh. as in like deborah the guy's oh, last name snap yeah that would have been very saucy yeah very saucy indeed so despite her proclivities, you know, she was deeply passionate about politics. And, you know, once her father died in 1919, she took sort of like took up the mantle of responsibilities for a lot of the issues, I think, that he held dear. So, in fact, she was so often referred to as the other Washington monument or monument, excuse me, as she was just so involved in politics over decades. Wow. And as she grew older, her wit remained with her. You know, she had a needlepoint pillow which read, quote, If you haven't got anything nice to say about anyone, come and sit here by me. That's so cute. <laughs> That's definitely like sassy grandma. Exactly. Decor. That's really cute. And, you know, it's interesting as, um, you know, as a Republican, she was against the U.S. involvement in, in war in general, but specifically the First World War. 
and in the subsequent League of Nations. Um, and she would be against involvement in World War II just up until Pearl Harbor. Right. So Alice was friends with multiple presidents and other notable political figures, probably influencing their opinions. I'm sure. So one such friendship, however, was not with her fifth cousin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, nor her first cousin, Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes, she was related to both of them. Yes, because those two are related. Distantly, I might add. But yes. <laughs> still kind of weird. Yes. Because they're both, they're both were Roosevelt from... Like, Eleanor Roosevelt, that's not her married name. That's, I guess technically it is, but technically it was her maiden name, right? Yeah. That's weird. It's her maiden name and her married name. That's always interesting when that happens. Yeah. So she's related to both, but she's not friends with either of them. No, she didn't like either of them. Oh. In fact, she declared uh, herself, um, in relation to Eleanor, she declared herself, quote, bored with her type of piety. Mmm. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> so she was, however, enamored by the Kennedys, whom she deemed as fascinating. Right. They represented newness. Right. right. Like bringing change. Exactly. And mm-hmm. she loved them. Um, and in fact, she actually stroke up a really close friendship with Bobby Kennedy. But that time was, it was often strained because his feelings would often be hurt by her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and she's like old at this point. This is like in the 60s. Right, right. So she is old. And he's a young man. He's a young man. and her, She would hurt his feelings too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was so funny. And so one of her best friends in the political scene, interestingly enough, someone who was not very popular at all, was Richard Nixon, whom she campaigned for multiple times in 1960, interestingly enough, against JFK, and then again in 1968. Well, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. (laughs) And probably because of this friendship, she was actually able to go to a White House state dinner under then-President Gerald Ford in 1976, where she famously met Queen Elizabeth II. There you go, yeah. Yeah. And in general, Alice frequently brought power brokers together in her home in the heart of Washington, D.C., despite being, you know, quite the raconteur. Yes, she was a political machine and could just work behind the scenes in general to help or hinder others' political ambitions, whether, you know, it was running for office or, like, ballot measures or bills, you know, whatever. She denied influencing votes, but the steady stream of lawmakers and her regular visits to congressional hearings is kind of suspect. Mm-hmm. So she never ran for political office, interestingly, because she disliked public speaking. Wow, that's so surprising. Yeah, very adamant about that. For someone who enjoyed the spotlight? Yeah. That's I don't, really interesting. she get nervous. Oh, I so, can relate to that. Yeah, so like even someone who was as badass as she was, she still got nervous speaking in front of other people. That's good to remember. It's, it's a big and it's a common fear for folks. In fact, I think on average, more people are afraid of public speaking than death. Yeah. (laughs) Which is insane. At least Americans, there was like a, I think it was one of those like Gallup poll things. Right. More people reported being afraid of public speaking than dying. Oh my God, that's insane. So I mentioned her daughter. So the kid's name was Paulina. And there isn't a whole lot about, you know, their relationship except that it was strained oh that's we know it wasn't great and we do know that sadly paulina would die in her early 30s 
in the 1950s and would leave behind a daughter of her own whom Alice would raise. Oh, wow. How heartbreaking. Yeah, and their relationship was much better. Okay. Sometimes it's easier to be a grandparent than a parent. And, yeah. you know, not having a mom, I can imagine it would be tough Yeah. to be a mom then. Exactly. Um, and after a very long life, she would finally succumb to complications, I think, from breast cancer in 1980. In 1980? Yes. At the age of 96 years old. Oh my gosh. So she still holds the record for the longest lived child of a U.S. president. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So the first woman to drive from Newport, Rhode Island to Boston and also like solo and for being the longest lived child of a U.S. president. Wow, that's amazing. Two very random records. Two very random records that she holds. <laughs> yeah, and it's just absolutely wild how long, you know, she saw and influenced national politics. To put it in perspective, when she was a young girl, she met President Benjamin Harrison, <laughs> who was like, when you think of, he's just like an old tiny president. Yet when she died, it's the same year that Ronald Reagan would be elected as President of the United States. Oh my gosh, she saw the world change. Like, vastly. Yeah. Like, the world she was born into was vastly different than the one she exited. Yes. So, in the end, despite her, you know, being a part or influencing, you know, decades of politics, her goal actually was, in life, was actually quite simple. Um, and she said, quote, All I've really done, or all I've done is to have a good time. I've covered a lot of territory. I'm amused. And I hope, amusing. Oh, she just wanted to be amused and to amuse others. Exactly. That's a really good goal. Yeah, and, and that is the life of Alice Roosevelt. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know hardly anything about her. I knew that she was a troublemaker, but mm -hmm. that was it. Like, when I researched this, I was like, wow, like, she's a very complex character, right? Like, she liked to have fun, clearly in her own words, and she liked to, you know, be amused, amuse people. But then at the same time, I think there was a deeper side to her. Um, I think she really did enjoy politics. Yeah. And it seemed like she there was certain causes she cared about that she tried to advance. Yes, and enjoyed politics, but didn't necessarily want direct involvement. Exactly. To the being, you know, able to pull strings sort of behind the scenes is, is also very powerful. Right, for decades. I mean, for like half a century yeah that's amazing yeah i think so too so my sources for this episode are encyclopedia britannica the smithsonian magazine all that is interesting which is slowly but surely becoming like one of my favorite websites yes the theodore roosevelt center hmm. the office of the historian of the united states <gasps> i don't know i thought that do we was have really an official cool. historian of the united states i think it's part of the secretary of state's office but i think so like kind of like how we have a poet laureate do you think there's like like an official historian, like yeah. an appointed position. I didn't research it, but I just assumed because I was like, oh, it's from that office. So Yeah, that would be such a cool office to work in. I'm like, maybe I could be appointed. Yeah, I'd appoint you. Thanks, babe. You'd <laughs> just have to be president. Okay, I could do that. Okay, cool. And Wikipedia, of course. Yes, of course. Wow. Thank you so much, babe. That was so cool, so interesting. Didn't know, like I said, hardly anything about Alice Roosevelt, and now I know what a badass she was. Yeah, she was really fun to research, and she was definitely a badass. And I would have loved to hang out with like Alice in her twenties, just like partying. I also have a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this, because uh, it seems like she was quoted a lot in your research. Mm -hmm. 
were her diaries published as like books for people to so read? She wrote an autobiography. I didn't mention that oh, okay. in the 1930s during the Great Depression to just make money. Yeah. Um, Understandable. So, yeah. So she, a lot of that comes from there, but she did have diaries that were uh, much, I think only fairly recently were like actually read. Okay. And that's how we found out about her this, daughter. Yeah. Her daughter and the affairs. Exactly. Wow. Really interesting. I'd love to read her autobiography. Yeah. I think I would too, actually. Yeah. I bet she has very, um, like witty and poignant insights. Yes. Into probably some amazing historical figures. So that's so cool. Yeah. I think so too. Well, thank you so much. And thank you weirdos for listening to another episode of history for weirdos. You can, as I mentioned earlier, you can always find us on Instagram at history for weirdos. And please do not forget to share this podcast with others. That is the best way to help us grow. Exactly. And without further ado, adios weirdos until next time. (laughs) 